0: This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak.
1: If you want to rock and roll all night and podcast every day, the time has come for you. Yes, it is the Decibel Geek Podcast. I'm Aaron Camaro, joined as always by Chris Sinzak. How's it going, my man? Doing good, man. How are you? Fantastic, man. I think Miss, in July so far has been very successful.
2: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've had some good guests this month and... Have a excellent guest this this week oh, that this is, we're this excited is, to share oh, with you. Oh man,
1: this is it, man! This is too fun today.
2: And uh, so, before we get into today's awesome guest, we have to get take care of a little bit of business.
1: Heck yeah, because you know we're the Decibel Geek Podcast. You know we're on iTunes. You know that's that's pretty much the place. If you're on the go, you want to go to iTunes. You just download us. We're there. We're there for you all the time. You can go back if you just discovered us today and check out all the archives and all that good stuff. Otherwise, if you're sitting at home, go to decibelgeek.com, you know, and put it on the big speakers inside of your house and just rock it out. But if you are going to iTunes, then something you can do for us that really helps us out is leave us iTunes reviews. And what we like to do is we like to reward the people that give iTunes reviews by giving them their props right here on the Decibel Geek podcast. So here's an iTunes review for you. It comes from Psycho One, and it's from Canada. The title reads, just simply an awesome must-listen podcast for all hard rock fans. I like that. And this is what it says. This is quite simply the best podcast out there for all fans of hard rock and metal. The guys, Chris and Aaron, have come up with a podcast that literally rivals Eddie Trunk's radio show. And without the pre- pretentious attitude and preaching, yowch.
3: That's a little shot taken
1: at Eddie. Yowch, you know. Um... Uh, our, our views do not always reflect those of I. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to say the Decibel Geek keeps me company while I work on the night shift on a weekly basis. They have turned me on to some great bands and albums, and I look forward to each and every episode. Only complaint... I have is only one episode a week. Simply love this show, and that comes from Psycho One up in Canada. You know they love us in Canada,
2: especially the Psycho people. Apparently,
1: that's awesome. I love it. That's that's a fantastic iTunes review. That's how it's done. If you guys want to leave us an iTunes review, it's a great way to give us some clout. You know what clout is? That's you know it it makes us seem important, right? Yeah. Am I right? Is that or a big word like? Gravitas. Is is that a big word like gravitas? Yeah, like gymnasium. I love it. Good stuff. It is Kissmas in July.
2: Yes. Um, One thing I want to mention, and a friend of ours, Tony Mann, uh, hipped us to this. Oh, I love that guy. It's a a cool movie that's about to be screened. It's called Lost Rockers. It's a documentary that's coming out. And Paul Rackman, who uh, directed three videos from Kiss's Revenge album, the unholy, I just want to, and Domino videos, he's having a screening of this movie, Lost Rockers, in New York City and Lincoln Center as part of the Sound and Vision Fest on July 30th at 6.30 p.m. Just uh, go to filmlinklinc.com, and it's only 14 bucks. And I'll have a link to that on the show notes for this episode.
1: That's very cool. So if you're a New York City rock and roller, that's the place to be. Go check that one out and let us know how it goes. I read up about it. It sounds awesome. Yeah, it seems really cool. Really
2: cool uh last bit of business before we get into this one uh, what do we got next we have
1: uh geeks of the week oh yeah and we got um, a good geeks of the week we sure cannot forget geeks of the week because they came through for us last yeah. week just like denny smith how awesome was that how what awesome stories and a chance just to you know vent a little a
2: lot of fun having him <laughs> on yeah and he told me he has heard from uh, fellow uh, colleagues that still work in the kiss warehouse yeah Approval? Uh, well, well mixed <laughs> reviews <laughs>
1: We love you, Denny, but we don't know about the yeah, other guys. We
2: appreciate you spilling some of the beans on that. So Geeks of the Week this week, these are the people that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter last week's uh, conversation with Denny Smith. Conversation spelled one. with a K, of course. Of course. Uh, Geeks of the Week this week are Steve and Robert Jackson, the God of Thunder, Tony Mann, Steve True, Brad Collinson, Miguel Nunez, Mike Blunt, Dave Shirt, Ryan Sessions, Justin A6, Matt Porter from the Kiss Room, Keith Doyle, Joseph Belly, Denny Smith, David Alpazar, Mike Stewart, Chris Karam, Brent Cattell, Andrew Jacobs, Mike Tyler, Cobras and Fire Podcast, Robin Bennett, Todd Cunningham, Brian Knapp, Shane Aber, The Great Affairs, Michael Bartley, Trevor McDougall, Joe Royland, Sit and Spin with Joe, David Glenn, Derek Novak, Scott Ollinger, Mark Alden Taylor, Greg McGlone, Chad Pollock, Baco, Joe Lascon, Brent Walter, Joel Hebensberger, Hoops, J Motown Drummer, Adam Cox, Jim Glass, TJ Cullen, Kevin E. Williams, Billy Hardaway, Paul Watson, R.C. Campbell, the the Terrence and Mark Experience, Colin Francis, Jack Broad, Dana Bakken, Ernest Aguiar, Viking Girl, Focus on Metal, Music Mags and Wax, Alan Big Al Tate, Brian Evans, Sean Franklin, Viper, and From the Living Van.
1: From the Living Van.
2: I guess he lives in a van.
1: That's living down by the river. Down by the river, <laughs> yeah. That's living also. So
2: yeah, guys, if you—that's uh, the decibel geek army. Right? Yeah, if you're if you're new to the show, that's how it works. If you share the episode for this week off of Facebook or, or retweet it on Twitter, I'll mention your name next week. As long Heck as yeah. I pick it up and, and find it in time. Sometimes I miss a few.
1: I noticed a couple of other podcasts in there sharing it. You yeah. know, in turn, go check them out because if they're supporting us, they deserve your support as well. You know? Absolutely. Of course, I'm sure you're already k- checking out the Kiss Room. Everybody of course. loves that. Anybody that's here with us during Kissmas and July, you know full well about the Matt Porter. Absolutely. The other thing I see in there is writers. There's writers always supporting yeah. us in the Geeks of the Week, you know. And there's been some awesome stuff going on at, at com for the Kissmas in July too. So, yeah, please.
2: Oh, and I have to, I have to share this now. We can make okay. this official. All right. Our guest this week is Pixie Asmond, who was Kiss's wardrobe person for. 1979 through 80 i believe
1: and one of the coolest people i've
2: ever talked to in my life i've been trying to get her on the show for three years because pixie still works in theater up in new york and people that work in that industry are very busy people so we finally pinned her down this year and got her on and it was as great as i as i hoped it would be and she has some really hilarious stories and she's a real trip she's so cool but the icing on this cake i was totally happy with the interview but a few days after the interview, she emails me and goes, "I was going through an old road case and I found a bunch of pictures that nobody's ever seen before. Oh, Would you fantastic. like to see them?" Oh yes, and yes I'm like, please. Yeah, does the Pope wear a funny hat? <laughs> so uh, she sends me these pictures and I put them in a nice little fancy, you know, collage and everything. And um, they will be released all this week. Some of them will be on DespicableGeek.com, some on our Facebook fan page, some on our Instagram page, some on our Twitter page.
1: So there you go. So follow we might, us. all Follow the us the way everywhere, around.
2: and you'll get kiss stuff
1: you've never seen before never ever ever seen decibel geek exclusive Absolutely. and there's a whole lot of decibel geek exclusives going on in the month of july
2: yeah and a whole bunch of other pictures that i recently came in into it's gonna be a lot this week is gonna be filled with a lot of kiss stuff so i hope you guys enjoy
1: that's what it's all about when it's kissmas in july here at the decibel geek podcast so i guess there ain't no time like the present to get to it you guys are gonna love this
2: yeah here's our talk with pixie esmond Yeah, and we
1: always are searching out cool people that got a really neat perspective on the the crazy story of Kiss. And boy, do you have a neat perspective?
4: <laughs> yes, it is a neat perspective. <coughs> <laughs> um, specifically, I neat perspective, sure. Um, I was hired kind of by accident at a Christmas party. Oh wow. My brother, uh, Michael Esmond, also known as Munchkin, to all roadies across the world, Uh uh, was the production manager. And uh, he worked for Bill McManus. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen that name, Bill. Sort of created the trust, that whole setup way back when for, I guess it was the Rolling Stones, he created that idea. And he lived across the street from us, and my brother worked for him, and Bill had a shop not too far from our house. So I had been working on Broadway for a number of years at this point, was on a break, came home, and my mother said, go get your brother at the Christmas party. So I go to the party and uh, have a drink, and uh, Bill McManus asks me, do I want to do a rock and roll tour? And I said, I'm Broadway. I don't do rock and roll. So then I had another drink. Of course this was way back when and it was Jameson's and you know how that goes. <laughs> so the second one I uh, I get asked again and I said, Sure. If my show closes, then I'll do your tour. But I want this much money and I will do this and I won't do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the third drink, it was time to go home. I get a we're at home, it's Christmas dinner, I get a phone call. My show closed on Broadway. When I come back, we only have two more weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So the money was amazing. So I said, yes, I'd love to.
1: And what's more Broadway than Kiss, right, as far as rock and roll goes?
4: That's why I thought it made sense for me to do it. The costumes, the makeup. uh, And to me, I I really didn't know Kiss. I knew who they were by visual, and I knew, uh, yeah, I pretty much knew who they were, but not what they were or what it was all about I hadn't really heard their music I really was a snob Um, and now I'm just a half snob (laughs) so uh, (laughs) I uh, started it was uh, met uh, Ken Anderson Mm -hmm. I live in New York so I met Ken and we talked about it and what to do and there was a designer a costume designer that the band had worked with and this designer was uh, an associate of Bob Mackie's
2: was this and, uh, Maria Contessa?
4: No, it oh. was a man. Oh, okay. And um, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of his name right this second, but he he certainly did the designs because uh, I have the sketches here in my house, the big, giant, beautiful. So I took them, and then I went and found a costume house and bootmakers and a uh, really arts. Place Uh, Robert Joy was a guy who was uh, a creative props maker, Mm -hmm. and actually Robert was in the middle of some pirate movie and making incredible bones and horns, and he was really our guy. Wow!
3: So, So are we
1: talking uh, about like Super Kiss at this point? These costumes, like yeah, yeah, the 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 nineteen seventy nine, the big return of Kiss, the. The over the, the Dynasty, top
4: costumes. Yes, and they went. This is their all color tour after their solo albums. Yeah. So Gene's color for, on his album was red, so mm-hmm. that was a part of his new costume. Ace's album cover was blue, and so was his eyeshadow. So right. his uh, costume had blue influence, and so on. Peter was green and a cat, and Paul glamour star child and purple was his color. So uh, that's how the costumes were made, the designs. And then I took them to the costume house, and we started to try to build them.
2: Now, what, your, what were your thoughts of the costumes at the time, Cause especially because you come from a background that involves them? Were you impressed with them?
4: I was really impressed. Mm-hmm. I was, at first, I was impressed by the budget. Right. And there really was no budget. Wow. Um, and I, and I thought it was extraordinary that a rock band was going to do this. And so I knew, sure, I can do that. It's boots, it's underwear, it's this and that, and... I'd already toured with different Broadway shows, so I knew what that was about. Mm -hmm. The the sketches were extraordinary, and watching the costumes made, um, I had them done in a costume house called Brooks Van Horn, which had been a Broadway costume house since way back when, you know, 30s. And to watch the kiss... To watch jean's uh spider the back of his of his shoulder of his uh yeah the back of his top
3: yeah, was a yeah.
4: elaborate spider, and then the cod piece gene wore was a spider eggs and uh spikes everywhere and then I'd look across the room and then they're they're doing like. oklahoma oh, Cute dinghams and laces and stuff, so it was wow. a blast to uh, run around with the kiss stuff that was so aggressively outrageous. And and,
3: yeah, that's look right,
2: because Gene's early version of the costume, that's right, had like a spider alien thing on his back, and I think, yes. I think wow. it was became too cumbersome or something for him to tour with, or was it too fragile?
4: It kept falling off, and it was not a strong enough visual. You couldn't see it from far away. Oh, okay, oh, yeah. And then we tried putting it on that cape, and that was awful. <laughs> and so uh, eventually we cut it. Okay. And, yeah.
2: Yeah, because yeah. there are photos of him posing with that, that on his costume. And I'm like, Neat. why was that not on the tour? But that makes sense because it, you, you have to probably simplify a bit when you, you're going to do all these shows on the road. Yeah.
1: And there ain't a whole lot simple about those costumes, no. even the way they turn out in the end, how
4: over-the-top they were. They really were. Uh, To you guys, it seems very over-the-top. To me, it was uh, unitards with jewels (laughs) and boots, which I already understood, and Jean's costume was the most problematic. Paul's costume was like a a rhinestone version of Kiss Me, Kate. Peter's costume was wonderful because we used real foxtails to cascade and um, Uh, real yak fur. We were going to try another look for Peter. and. I had yak fur rolling around. Well,
1: and
3: yeah, with the
2: green. yeah, with with Peter's, he had these, like, the lion heads on his veins. Which yeah.
4: Robert Joy created from scratch. He sculpted the lion face mm-hmm. and then poured a mold, did a reverse, and made it out of... It was foam, and if the foam was as light as it could be. Oh, wow. And then he put gorgeous eyes, we put jewels on it, and uh, that was his cat face to sit on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. There was fur hair, and then those that you see hanging
3: down—they're
4: mm-hmm. real fox tail. They were silver fox, that we dyed them green.
3: Okay, wow, That's
4: so that was kind of extraordinary. But I understood what to do. Those were all things that made sense to me.
2: And then Ace's uh, Ace's had the uh, mirrors built into the chess piece.
4: Wasn't that gorgeous?
2: Yeah, yes. super cool. This yes. is the one that people seem to like the most. Yeah,
4: it, well, it was. It was wonderful. It the the flying V like his uh, guitar was so strong image and uh, it also had on the front center we had velcroed to the chest was a box with a, a battery and a flashing light and there was a little switch on it he could switch it and it would pulsate light <laughs> wow, from wow. His chest.
2: that's wild so cool so yeah. did, were you there and, when the band saw these costumes for the first time oh yeah and what was their reaction to them
4: first they just laughed <laughs> did, i did them separately i mean trying to get a rock star to come to a costume fitting is like trying to wrangle water
3: with wow.
4: one hand you so uh, I could never do them together but when they came they were they loved being in a Broadway costume house mm-hmm. they were more interested in the ballerinas and the little dancers <laughs> running around i'm sure <laughs> and then there was a lot of Oh, shit. Did I swear?
3: Chug, so, oh, fuck what yes, you, you, you want.
4: <laughs> okay, good. So there was a lot of, oh, shit, oh, shit. That is so gay. I'm not wearing it. <laughs> wow. That is so gay. I guess there was one point where Gene and Paul were in at the same time, and it was, well, nothing got done. They were laughing at each other and things would change constantly. Mm -hmm. Uh, You adjust to your performer, to what his needs are going to be, because Paul was such an amazingly physical performer on stage that we really had to pay attention and recut things, shoulders and lengths of drapes and and, uh, so forth so he could move. In his boots,
3: Mm.
4: I did a very special um, brace. I had it done in California. This man is a Shoemaker to the Stars. And I told him what my issue was that I had a six and a half inch heel thick on a boot and a platform in the front, so we created kind of a a right angle a steel piece of steel at a right angle that was built into his boot, so that because you see how he jumped mm-hmm, and right. if he had come down wrong it the heel could have snapped off, and it would have been all he, yeah he'd be in trouble mm. So what it did was, is it allowed it to give because you can see in in videos how the when he lands after after Paul's been jumping in the air and he lands, the heel has a little bit of give to it and then it snaps right back. So I was very proud of that, and so was he. That's very interesting. Excited. That's Never very heard cool. That.
2: And I, I've 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 read things over the years because these costumes, like you know, to you that's it's another day at the office, but to Kiss fans, these costumes were controversial. Yeah. And, <gasps> And um, like a lot, there was like some fans love him, some fans hate him. And then there's some people, there's also been rumors that Peter Chris, in particular was not happy with, with his costume. Like he just, he thought it was way too over the top personally, but I I don't know. Do you remember that?
3: He
4: was uncomfortable. Yes. In the beginning. Sure. So as we go on from city to city, I shed different pieces so he didn't have to. He felt overwhelmed. He's not a tall man. Right. And the lion heads were big and the fur piece was big. So I tried to scale it down. But he felt it was cumbersome yeah. and unattractive. So uh, I you, kept cutting it down.
3: What did you think? So I
4: created cups and hand gloves and things to take the place of all that. Right.
2: What did you think of the guys when you first met them?
4: <laughs> I met Gene first here in New York. And, okay, to be honest... I, they said, you're going to go meet Jean Simmons, and I thought, oh, I love her. She was great in the robe.
2: <laughs> Good actress, right?
4: <laughs> right? Beautiful. No, it's, he, it's, he's a rock star. Okay, so I went to his apartment, and he was tall and thin, and I, I thought, wow, he dyes his hair a lot. And uh, he was very pleasant. He was smart. Um, we talked about the costumes and what he wanted, what he liked, what he didn't like, because we still had the sketches at that point when I first met him. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was very bright.
3: Mm-hmm. So
4: I, I enjoyed him. We laughed, and that was great. Paul was uh, more reserved. I guess I met Paul the first time in when we had a fitting, and the same with Ace and Peter. I, had, I met Jean first with all the sketches, actually. We talked over everything, and what the construction was going to be and the walk and why and so forth. Yeah,
1: that's neat. Gene yeah. was interested in everybody's costumes, yeah. not just his own.
4: He was so detail oriented, and you can see on his show anybody who knows this man. He's about business, mm-hmm. he's about what works. I was so pleased to work with a performer, musician who really knew what he wanted and why and what worked. And I was really impressed by that. Um, As far as the fans hating it, or I get that because they were leather and steel and studs and it was all butch.
3: Very butch. Yeah.
4: But (laughs) Dynasty was all colors and a little say in some ways. And also the big ruckus was I was made for loving you, the disco song. Oh, yeah. And so it, I think maybe that's a part of it because people went crazy. Uh, fans mm-hmm. uh, in some of the parking lots, they'd be smashing the records, other be singing it. And so these costumes uh, sort of signaled a big, fat change.
3: Right, that's true. So that's true.
1: Yeah. I gotta know, what was it like meeting the spaceman for the first time?
4: Oh, it was love at first sight. <laughs> it was bad. love at first sight. He literally, he Ace stumbled. Ace never really walks. He just sort of lurches forward through life. <laughs> you know, and they say, oh, he's drunk or high or whatever. Straight. He still stumbles. He's just, that's who he is.
3: Yeah, so he lurched walking. off the
4: elevator, and I'm trying to think who was with him. It might have been Big John. Yeah? Um, yes. It might have been Big John, and he scared me. And, uh, or Rosie. I don't remember yeah, which. He Ro- was a Rosie very large man. And Ace, and he laughed, and, and he, this is stupid. And oh, oh, I put this on, and oh, oh, oh. <laughs> all right, Curly, I you. <laughs> so he was now, I, when you do a fitting, especially on very tight jumpsuits, uh. you got to get your hands in there. So I was <laughs> pulling it up and showing him how to put it on, and I, I said, Put it on like pantyhose. Eh, Curly, I don't put pantyhose on. I take him off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, awesome.
4: <laughs> so he was a blast. So there I was, pulled up his tights, banging into his balls. And when I fit him in his little, uh, that little cod piece he had, um, you have to put your hand behind the codpiece because it was just thin foam and fabric stitched on top for those little bullet shapes. And so you got to put your hand behind it so I don't stab him. And he uh, we, we, we enjoyed it. I didn't mind it at all either.
2: <laughs> and what kind uh, of, I, what, what kind of uh, a man is the spaceman?
4: <laughs> the spaceman. He was just great. He was great. Um, when uh, I guess you're playing Philadelphia, my hometown, and my parents came backstage. My dad's about 6'1 and bold. And uh, Ace was coming down the hallway. I, I said, I want you to meet my parents. And he yells down the hall, he only sees the back of my dad. Hey, Curly, how the fuck you doing? Hey, Curly, why are you banned? Have a drink. And my dad turns around, you know, dad, father of seven, life insurance salesman. I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> dad, I'd like you to meet Ace. Ace is my dad. So Ace is laughing. He said, I'm sorry. I thought you were, you know, I thought you were somebody else. And he was, <laughs> I'll, I'll still have a drink. Thank you. So Ace is just charming. Yeah. Charming, charming, charming. Yeah.
2: What about uh, what about Peter Chris?
4: Peter, sweet Peter, always easy uh, with me. Mm-hmm. He was always easy with me. He always said thank you. He was so did Ace. He was very respectful of the work that I did, um, and uh, his fitting was easy. He didn't love the shoulder pieces, and that's understandable. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were huge. And um, and I think maybe he felt he didn't have a voice in it, so maybe that was a part of it. But I just loved Peter. He was quiet and sweet and kind of awed by the costume shops and the things, the people I had worked with. We talked about Sammy Davis, Jr. and th- So he was more interested in me as a person as well as, you know, here's your new wardrobe cost- costumer. Right. So I really adored Peter. He was sweet and, and had a very gentle sense of humor. Uh, goofy. Um, Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Was there any, um, I can't remember if Gene was with Cher or with Diana Ross at this period, was there any sightings of either of them?
4: Oh, both. Yeah. Cher, I guess we were at the Palladium in New York, and I had just just gotten a bunch of really beautiful new leather guitar straps for Ace and Paul, and Cher saw them, and loved them, and said, you know, where can I go? Where can I get these? I said, well, it's a guy who lived in his studio apartment down in, you know, Alphabet City, and there's so much glue you pass out. And it, he looked like a homeless guy, but did the most beautiful leather work. And mm. so I took her down so she could, you know, get a belt made. And she was very gracious. I enjoyed her very, very much. She was funny. She made fun of me. Pixie, kind of a name is that, which I often get.
2: Yeah, uh, you say uh, Yeah, Paul what broke kind of my balls
4: on. Pardon?
2: Did you say Cher? What kind of name is that?
4: Yeah, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) She was the voice of reason. And at this time, I think that she already knew that he was seeing Diana Ross.
3: Ooh, wow.
4: And that it was was in the air, and Cher was very cool with it, because she and Diana were good friends. And so Cher was lovely, and just, you know, another girl hanging out backstage. Of course, classier, better dressed, and... You know, hot. Right. So uh, yeah, not a lot of Kiss groupies.
3: Yeah.
4: You're not. They're not going to like me to say this, but they were not
5: so good.
3: <laughs> no. Not so cute.
4: No. Compared to Springsteen's groupies, yeah, yeah no. Oh. It's like a Barbie doll and a troll doll. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Wow. I'm going to be ha- I'm going to be hunted down now, but uh, so. She, uh, Diana Ross I didn't sure came to a couple of shows yeah. I, she was at the Palladium I think we did two and she may have come to another city mm-hmm. Diana Ross I met in England at Wembley Arena Oh,
3: cool.
4: and um, she was very cool um, Gene did not like his women to drink or smoke
3: yeah that's yeah. true he today. didn't
4: like drunkenness he didn't like smoking and Diana was a little bit over it, so she came up to me and said, Do you have a cigarette? Do you have a beer? Said, uh-huh. Wow. So she rested. I'll meet you in the bathroom. So the guys go out. I guess they're doing press before the show, and they don't need me. So we sat in the toilet. We shut the door, two of us in a stall, drank beer, and smoked cigarettes.
3: That's awesome. Wow.
4: <laughs> she was the coolest. She was so cool. Loved her, loved her, loved yep. her. And I did not have to call her Miss Ross. Oh, good. But oh. I did anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> but she is a I did anyway. <laughs> so with, what, I'm sorry. What was cool was watching the two of them share a little less so, but enjoy the spectacle that is rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, Both of these women, huge stars, huge audiences, but there's a fever and a fervor when a rock show starts that... It's explosive, and yeah. uh, I think they like that. I'm impressed by it.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I bet. So with yeah. the, with Kiss, so you you were there for the fittings and everything for the original costumes, and then I'm guessing at, shortly after that is when Lakeland happens for the uh, opening of the tour, right?
4: Yes, the costumes. The guys kept changing their mind constantly. I don't like this heel on this boot. Ace didn't. Ace had a regular heel like Paul and Gene. Mm. He didn't want that, so I had to switch to a solid core for him. Peter wanted the same thing, so I had to rig that up. At one point, I had Peter in sneakers, and then I made these... Do you know what spats are?
3: Yeah.
4: Okay, so figure a spat that goes from your knee to your ankle that was green snake skin, and then I put some Velcro and jewels on it until his boots were ready. Mm. Um, and And Gene kept changing his mind, and the construction on his monster was changed a lot. And uh, you just you don't say no. You say okay, and then you go to Ken Anderson and say, uh, I need to spend this more money. Shit, shit, shit. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so uh, it when we got to Lakeland, not everything was completely, completely finished. Hmm. Jean's boots were beautiful leather, plain, gorgeous leather boots, platforms, and then we applied the silver, nurbal, monstery coverings that you see, the toes in the boot, that, those white toes that glowed. And,
3: yeah, let me ask and, you, you know the
1: boulder
2: boots. What, what exactly was Gene's costume? Like, what was those he those supposed to be? It's made out of stone,
3: like he's a boulder. A
4: demon. A, yeah, some kind, a demon, like a carrion Like a, a, you know what those are? They jump, um, they're on the corners of buildings.
3: Oh, like gargoyle, uh, yeah.
4: Gargoyles, right. Okay. So that idea. And that the spider was supposed to be part of his body, And his codpiece, with all the jewels on it, where there's supposed to be spider eggs. Wow. So, but that kept evolving. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, what kind of a jumpsuit do I want? Where do I want the holes cut? Where do I not want this? So, when I got to Lakeland, where new humans should live, (laughs) especially... Chubby, white Irish girls whose blood is made of mayonnaise oh, does wow. not belong outside in the 100-degree heat. Yeah, so it was, was humid, <laughs> and we were by a swamp uh, outside the arena. We, there was a, a fence, a regular fence, and they'd have to open it to let cars and trucks and stuff go in and out, so it wasn't always closed. And truly, alligators came waddling in.
3: So, oh yeah.
1: my goodness, Lakeland, Florida.
2: Yeah, because Chris Lent writ- has written in his book. Uh, he wrote pretty detailed about uh, the Lakeland oh. whole the whole Lakeland deal, and sounds like it was a kind of a miserable week. And actually, if I look at the date, it was June fifteenth, seventy nine. Was the first show, so thirty six years ago this week was oh, when yeah. Lakeland happened.
4: Now I'm going to cry. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Chris, and I'm sure Chris's aspect is entirely different from mine. Um, it was awful. Things wouldn't work. Ace, you know, jeans, i um, sorry, Paul's laser almost blinded him.
3: Yeah, so he you saw hair that, huh? caught
4: on fire, so we, then we had to order wigs to protect him just in case. Wow. Um, yeah, it was bad, Oh, uh, the set wasn't coming together, and a lot of the specialty things, which I'm sure you can read about, mm-hmm. the blow-up kiss sign, the, the other laser that Paul's laser, Ace was supposed to have a laser come out of the head of his guitar, and things kept blowing up, and wow. tempers were short because it was hot, and it took forever for us to do a complete run-through.
2: Yeah, so did you get yeah. to see the laser get tried out? Yes. What did it look like?
4: It was cool. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It was very cool. He had kind of an eye patch, and it was all built into there, almost um, steampunk, if you will.
3: Yeah, gotcha. Coming
4: yeah. out of his eye. But it wouldn't work properly. It did not, I guess it didn't have something back in the back of it to protect it, because <laughs> the eye that was covered also got zapped. Oh, oh, Yeah, so, yeah. It's too much of a and liability. Then, Yes, yeah, so I guess then Ken Anderson. Ken was wonderful. He would do everything first, fly, try the trick, whatever it was. Ken always put himself on the line. Um, and uh, so he had the laser on and said, no, no way, you know. Wow. It, yeah. It's not like the laser pointers we have now that can bring down planes. It was, it was real.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, no. <laughs> you can't expect
4: okay, it to yes? Mm-hmm. Ooh.
2: Yeah, well, in this you know this tour was considered the return of Kiss, but it was also basically the end of Kiss as far as the original lineup goes. Yeah, um, yeah. There was a lot, a lot of talk that you know things were heated between a lot of the members at this point because they had tasted a lot of success and they were living big lives and just um, came back off the
1: solo the solo album.
2: So, I mean, did you see a lot of uh, animosity at the
4: time? Sure. Yeah. Depending on how well your solo album did. They're guys. Guys will do that. They're musicians. Competitive. They're competitive. Yeah. My yeah. album did better than yours. <laughs> Your song, this was not good. You stole that from me. Um, and uh, so, yes, you got a sense of it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too outrageous. No, no, no fist cuffs, as it were. No,
3: sure. Not
4: okay. then. But you, yes, I could tell because when it was time to get the guys dressed. It was just me and them, and they doing you know they'd be doing their makeup, and uh Bill Coyne would come in, or maybe uh the road manager george mm-hmm. uh or, or Chris Lent to talk about box office, but mostly it was just us and conversations, yeah, sure, sure, they got mad at each other, yeah uh, yeah, but um people liked to build up that drama, but the same stuff happened with the stones and um, any band, they get pissed, yeah. you get sick of each other, you get competitive, you're tired. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: And it's a close quarters for months at a time, so of yeah. course it's gonna. people are going to flare up on each other every now and then. I bet
4: you almost oh my, became like yeah. a
1: therapist, like almost like the band therapist there for a little bit.
4: I tried to. Um, when you're a dresser, um, you, I always treat my actor, my performer, like a horse, like a skitter's Sarah Bread, and you always put your hands on them and soothe them and talk in a low voice and listen to whatever they're talking about, and whatever happens in the dressing room stays in the dressing room. That was really important, and I need to respect their privacy. But, yes, I did. If one had something to say about the other, I'd listen. Okay, and just let it go. Um, Sometimes when I, I knew that they were having trouble with each other, because there was always a certain way that they'd fit in the dressing room. I would lay out a purple towel, all Paul stuff with purple bathrobes and towels and jeans were black. Peters were green and aces were blue. I would set up their makeup table with towels and then put their makeup on it. Makeup tables were usually two six-foot lunch tables
3: mm-hmm. and
4: you know two guys on a side. And if they were quarreling with each other, fighting or sniping, I would... Changed the arrangement of who sat next to whom.
3: Interesting. Wow. In
4: the dressing room. I was always trying to uh read and sense what was going on. So, last night, so and so was mad at so and so, and, you know, Peter and Jean had a fight. So, the next oh, or Peter was really defended by Jean, I would put them together in the next city. I just tried to read what was going on and, mm-hmm. and uh, keep it smooth that's very for
2: professional of you to do that yeah that's awesome uh,
4: you got to it's i really really respected them as performers as businessmen i didn't love all their music uh i learned to but mostly i tried treated them with the utmost professionalism
3: mm-hmm.
4: everything got fixed every day every costume was clean every boot scrape, I'd scrape the bottoms and make sure there's no gum or, Mm -hmm. you know, rhinestones and stuff left over. So, um, and the therapy, it's a part of it. And I think that's important. You get your actor in the right frame of mind so that he or she can go out and do the best possible job they can. Right. And plus, when they leave the dressing room and they'd go to the stage, underneath the stage, I had a whole setup of mirrors, makeup shelves, and so forth to freshen up during the show and whatever anybody's favorite drink was that day and make sure it was cold and towels to refresh and so forth. You, you mini-fridge. Oh, yeah, no, bucket, bucket of Ice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could always tell what kind of a day it was going to be uh, uh, by what he drank when he first came into the room. Yeah? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the ride, I'm sure you know all about the riders with the champagne and mm-hmm. beer for this and this kind of beer and this kind of wine for Paul. And uh, uh, and Peter and uh, uh, yeah, so a champagne day was not going to be good. <laughs> a beer day was going to be uh, was good. Uh-huh. Beers were fun. Beers were lighter. Champagne gives you a headache, and yeah, and, and yeah. So you could always tell. I could tell what was going to happen by my choice of cocktail.
3: Yeah. And wow. also,
4: um, the guys would come into the room. It would be completely set up and ready for them to come in, sit down, change. It was perfect, quiet, clean. And uh, the food was in the room. And if they came in and picked up a piece of the lemon chicken and threw it across the room, <laughs> it was not going to be a good night. <laughs> and that happened, <laughs> I'm guessing. <you're>... Oh, oh. <laughs> food went flying. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, it you know, this tuna fish is disgusting. Wa la Pixie. I didn't make the tuna fish. Let's go yell at that lady. All right. So, yeah, I got sort of responsible for the food in the room and that I became a food Nazi and that oh, was stupid. But uh if they came in and the giant, beautiful kiss cake with their likeness on it, mm-hmm. they stuck their fat little hands in it and shoved it in their faces. I know it's going to be a great night.
2: <laughs> well, and, you know, in the, on the uh, Hot Hero sandwich footage of you working with them, um, you know, it looks like they got you guys on a, on a good night that night because it seemed like everybody was getting along pretty good.
4: Yes. You have to remember, and this is why I do respect them. Not only would they fly, they'd usually fly to the gig that day, mm-hmm. and, and we would leave that night. We'd get in the buses and go to the next city, and they would fly that morning to whatever the city next city was. And they were always doing radio interviews, TV interviews. Mm-hmm. So they'd get to their hotel, dump their stuff, and now you've got to do an interview, when all you really want to do is, is take a whiz, take a dump, and take a nap. All right. And did so I they order. did it, and then they'd come later on for sound check, and then after sound check, depending on how far away the hotel was, they'd leave, come back through the crowds, through the traffic, and then come do, and get ready for the show and then do it over and over and over. And Small. it was exhausting. So, yeah, it's easy to be cranky. Sure. Easy to be cranky. Um, it did not get noticeable until the towards the end of the tour yeah. uh, when people were really burnt.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because um, you were
3: there yeah, as the, part of
4: the US score. Yeah,
1: big transition period right there. You know, as far as Peter Chris leaving the band, and you know,
3: yeah, it was it
4: was a big transition, and it wasn't um, because the music, uh, let's say, it's not so complicated to play,
3: mm-hmm. right?
4: And Peter wasn't the most creative of drummers. He was a good drummer, so his track was easy to fit into.
3: And the show goes I Eric on.
4: Was i thought eric was a better drummer actually well yeah.
2: let me um before we get but on love no before yeah. we get on to eric i want to bring up this thing because i've asked a few people that were involved with that tour at the time i've asked i sent you the link to the tom harper interview and um we also interviewed Hurst gardner who was with the band new england who opened for kiss during part of the tour um oh. near the end of the tour they were doing some shows in louisiana and there's a, I think uh, in Chris Lent's book, he brings up a, like a show in Shreveport where Peter starts basically sabotaging the show and like starts slowing down and slowing down and slowing down during one of the songs. And they yeah. end up cutting the set early and then the band runs off stage. Do you have any memory of this? Because I've gotten mixed answers on if this actually happened or not.
4: I remember being really happy we got to go home early. Yeah. Yes, we were all just sad. I mean, it's fucked up, but we were mostly okay. Let's get out of here early and we were we were glad.
3: I did not know if you witnessed In that, like a for that aspect. Up or anything.
4: At first nobody believed it because you know how rumors fly around a building, but um that was it. That was the last straw and uh well, actually something else was, but I won't tell you that. Um mm. yeah. So we were glad to have time off. I, it, yeah.
2: Yeah. So it things got to kind of a fever pitch you know, around December when things were winding down on that tour.
4: I would think so. Yes. December yeah. sounds good.
2: Let me ask you this though. Um, early in the tour, you know, they started out the tour in the South, in the Southeast. And I know just cause I'm a kiss nerd, they did a show on June 19th in Savannah, Georgia. I know that around that time when they were in Savannah, they recorded the videos for, I was made for loving you. And sure know something. Were you at those shoots?
4: Absolutely.
2: Do you have any particular memories of those?
4: Was it? Because, (laughs) first of all, we had to cancel two shows because their sales were bad. Yeah, I heard about that. So they canceled the two shows and, what, do we have two? Maybe just one. Canceled the show Mm -hmm. and decided to shoot the video, which was pretty smart. And it took forever. (laughs) Um, Ace really hated the song, I Was Made for Loving You. Peter didn't love it either. And at that point... Gene, well, yeah, they were very controlling, really controlling. So they were fighting, and they didn't want to do it. And uh, Paul really did. And we spent a lot of time shooting it over and over and over and over. And uh, it took longer than it should have because they were pissed, and they're being knuckleheads. Or just before we'd roll, one of the guys would wander away. So <laughs> wow. then they'd have a fight. And then they'd come back on,
2: and, yeah. I had to yeah. wonder if it was something to do with a canceled show, because like, why else would you pick Savannah, Georgia, to film your video? It just right. seems like right? a, a strange location. <laughs> <laughs> Not that, right. Nothing against, nothing against Savannah. It's a great city. It's just it's just a strange place to film your video. But um, so, no,
4: I mean, it was a smart use of the building because you know there's a deal, a contract, yeah. so the building was theirs for that night. So you might as well take advantage,
2: make use
1: sure. of it. sure, yeah. um, using your time wisely.
2: So, um, this tour, like, yeah, like I've read in Chris Lent's book, because he was so detailed on it, like, they did, they would, the plan initially was to do multiple nights in big cities and have the show be set up from one city to the next, and then, I guess, ticket sales just were slagging like they uh, were not expecting, and, um, but it's just... I don't know if the band bit off more than they could chew with this tour because it was a it was a massive undertaking, and from what I gathered, the show and the stage setup was exhausting for the for the crew. I mean, I'm, yep. obviously, you had to have gotten to know a lot of the crew on this tour. I mean, what what are your memories of what they were saying at the time? About what? About like how was it a grueling show to to put up every night?
4: Yeah, yeah, it was. It was yes, um, on the American tour. My brother was, my brother Mike was a production manager with Steve Gansky, and uh, he kept a good crew, um, really inspired people. But um, because it was huge, it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. It was exhausting. And um, so not only our crew, but the local crew, and, and the road crew has got to be, you've got to be tits up all the time. The local crews differ from city to city, uh, some of them can push boxes. Some of them understand that this is how you plug a plug in. Some didn't understand that, so it would it's take forever. Sure. And these arenas are huge. Yeah. So you see video of the boxes coming off the trucks and then rolling. You could go, you know, a half a football field long or at, uh, in L.A. Uh, and even at the Silver Dome, You yeah. had to have a golf cart to take you back and forth. Wow. These guys worked around the clock. And sure, you can. Compl- I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Uh, you're an asshole. He's an asshole. Yep. Okay. Where's the beer? And you go. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, one crew. You know, everybody decided, uh, You know, sound was looked down on because sound had an easier load in, and these people didn't like those people because that was easier. And they we thought it was harder. And blah blah blah. Yeah. And uh, I got to tell you, that show was so heavy hanging overhead, that the riggers we had were amazing. He's mm-hmm. been, it's, uh, the lives of how many people? 25,000 at that point could die if they were not done right. So yeah, as exhausted yeah. as they were, they worked around the clock to get this all right. Even the truck drivers, the truck drivers were great because they were with us the whole tour, the bus drivers. So they had to drive all these long hours as well. And, mm-hmm. um yeah, it was exhausting. People got beat up, but you just keep
1: going. See, this is the perspective I'm talking about. You know, you you don't get it from the eyes of the rock band. It's it's the real people out there seeing how it all comes together. I love this.
2: Yeah, and um, one you've told this story in the book Kiss Alive Forever, but now that we have you on audio, I want you to tell it again. Um, I think it was for around Lakeland, but uh, can you tell, <laughs> can you tell the Palmetto Bug story, please?
4: Yes.
3: Yes. Okay.
4: <laughs> uh out Palmetto, the Lakeland, Florida. By the way, had a, the arena? What was that? The uh, Lakeland Civic Center yeah. was short. It didn't have a vaulted ceiling like the arenas, which was also part of the problems that we were having in mounting and hanging stuff like the kiss side wouldn't fit. Anyway, hot, 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 bloody boiling, fucking hot. <laughs> um, Jean's costume was a combination of two glues, will say. And when I mix them together, like five-minute epoxy, the red and the blue, you put it together and it becomes the thing. I would mix it, these two different glues, and they would become foam. So that's how it had to stay on, uh, you know, that's how it stayed on his boot, combination of the glue. And then the foam would puff. I would paint it silver and black and red, and there were jewels Again, they were supposed to be um, veins in the boots, and the jewels were blood and spider eggs uh, <laughs> in, so you know, cool. oozing down his side.
3: Right.
4: Okay. So that was the normal. That's what was going on. Every day, because uh, the boots were not quite done, uh, and by not quite, I mean not at all, when well, we got to Florida. <laughs> so I had to apply these monster coverings to yeah. the leather boots, not because it's hot. I have to change the prescription, so to speak, of the glue that I'm going to make the foam from. Okay, so here's a day. I did that all. I do that before the rehearsal. And so, boom, we do the rehearsal that afternoon, and uh, it really went badly. And the guys were furious, and it was hot. And somebody banged his head, and the the things didn't work, and the, the drum wouldn't spin, and yada, yada, yada. After the rehearsal, the guys come into the dressing room and gene we i take off all his heavy stuff right away but he kept his boots on peeled his jumpsuit down uh he was in went into the bathroom mm-hmm. and when i say bathroom i really mean a bunch of urinals Gaffer's tape to a wall.
3: You um, so, <laughs> really did not uh, like Lakeland, I can
4: tell. <laughs> oh, there's a toilet. Oh, my God. Murderers should live there. Um,
2: Ace got well, electrocuted there, so nothing good happens yeah. in Lakeland.
4: Yes. Yes. So, uh, okay, so I hear Gene screaming. The boys are sitting at the table taking off their makeup, and I hear Gene scream in the bathroom Pixie, Pixie, come on in. So I run into the bathroom. I said, What is it? Are you all right? Did you get stuck? No, there's a bug. Kill it excuse me, there's a bug, kill it. Now, granted, palmetto bugs are can be anywhere from four to, you know, five, six inches, yeah, depending big. on, you know, it's what like toxic big, thing it had in Lakeland. <laughs> so I stepped on it with my tiny little delicate, you know, size 8 sneaker. And just the and he went back out, and the guys all made fun of him and called him a pussy and stuff. <laughs>
3: oh, I
4: guess. So, and I'm pretty sure I did too. Pussy was a big word in the dressing room. You're such a pussy. You're a pussy. You're, you're a pussy. Uh, you're all pussies. I would say. Had a lot of fun.
1: So, who's, who's the one killing the bugs here? You're all pussies.
4: <laughs> Thank you. You're all. Puss. That's what I said. The next day, I'm thinking. Eh, eh, eh. Um, actually, I'm doing my job very professionally, and I'm painting and hoping it'll dry. And I have hair dryers. <laughs> Because their clothes are soaked from the night before. Their boots are literally soaking wet as if you're taking it out of of a a bath. Yeah. (laughs) So I have long construction, I'm sorry, extension cords, fans, hair dryers, whatever I could use to dry this stuff because it would just stay damp outside. Mm -hmm. I'm working. Now I'm painting the silver, and I'm trying to really get creative, and I added some, you know, uh, spikes, and then I added some jewels here, and I did some painting, and I guess I looked away for a minute, and I turned back, and there was a palmetto bug on the boot. And I thought, huh, I'm not going to kill that. I'm going to let it die right there. (laughs) So I took some of the glue and just poured it over the body, and it stuck. So some more palmetto bugs came along, being stupid, and I had enough to put, uh, oh, about three... Or four on each boot. Wow. I painted them. I glued I them on. <laughs> uh, I put some foam underneath so they wouldn't crush. I painted them silver. I touched them up to the black. Then I let it go. And they became <laughs> and authentic night, parts of Gene the boot. Gene said, what? Huh?
1: And they became authentic parts of the boot.
4: Oh, yes, they did. Wow. And he said, wow, you're really good, Pixie. <laughs> These look great. <laughs> thank you, Gene. No, really, they do. A, thank you. They look realistic. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: so, now, I'll funny. tell you
4: something I've never told anybody, except you know, people and one or two people at the theater. Uh-huh. Gene sometimes was such a prick. Uh-huh. He would. It was as if the more he was one person when he walked in the door. He was, a, uh, he was a musician when he did sound check as in street clothes. And then as the makeup, as they started his makeup, he would become more and more of a creature or asshole, if you will. <laughs> so um, by the time he was done dressing, he was really a monster. He was just mean. Uh, now, granted, that was the dressing room, and he'd then go out and do radio and radio, do all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. and be great. They were amazing to their fans. Yeah. Um, so, I guess I had had about a week of this. And I was tired, really tired. Because as you say, the musicians walk in and everything's done. Perfect. The sound check's ready. Everything has to be perfect, because then they'll start screaming during sound check. I can't hear my audio. Paul's too loud. I can't hear Ace. Eh, Collie. Put it up! <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> So, and Peter's like, yeah, yep, yep, okay, I got some drums. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) so, he was just being a dick. So, I found some little fishing weights. Fishing weights? That, you know, that you put on your fishing line, They're little brown balls? Yeah, They can be five pounds, they can be ten pounds. So, I got an assortment pack. And I glued him onto his boots. You were evil. Wow. I was mad. <laughs> I was a mad, chubby, white Irish girl with mayonnaise melting in her veins who was exhausted. <laughs> and so I glued him to his boots. Wow. I say nothing. Nobody. But that night he comes off, he's like, God, I'm tired. What is with these boots? I said, huh. I said, you know what? It's probably... The sweat, because they're still damp from last night, they feel heavier. <laughs> oh, all right. All, right. all right. See what you can do. Uh-huh. Next night, wears them? God, they're so heavy. I said, are, are, you, are you gaining weight? Oh, no. uh, are you moving slower? Fuck you. So after about three weeks, I took them off one at a time. Because you have to. <laughs> yeah. And you know if I had been really mad and I'm saying this is a hypothetical, <laughs> I might have taken somebody's jumpsuit in about a quarter of an inch at a time.
3: Yeah, little so by
4: little. Somebody might have thought that they were gaining weight.
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow. So devious. Because
4: they would poke. Paul would always poke. Do you know how Gene had the holes in the side? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he would poke the little, his little love handles and stuff and always work his nerves, and cause Paul was in just amazing condition.
2: That's always wondered, like, did Paul like to dig at Gene a lot?
4: Yes. Yeah. But it was a different kind of digging. It, Paul and Gene had a mutual respect that was obvious. Mm-hmm. They were the brains. They were the business up, aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they wrote... Uh you know, Paul wrote a lot of songs with Gene. Ace never quite got the credit I think that he deserved on the songs he worked on. I agree. And that hurt yeah. him. That made him mad. Yeah. Not having I think he wanted to do one of his songs from his solo album and there was that was sort of a problem in the beginning. And uh so yes, Paul and Gene were
2: So there was a definite divide divide 'cause we hear this from a lot of people that there was a Paul and Gene camp and a Ace and Peter camp. Yeah. Yes.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. um, Paul and Gene had a very business aspect about them. The ace and Peter were like, ah, let's have a good time. Yeah. (laughs) They were the rock and rollers. (laughs) So, yeah. So,
2: um, the Dynasty Tour wraps in Toledo in December, and the band's off for a while, and then obviously Peter Chris leaves the band or is fired, depending on who you believe. Um, and then Eric Carr comes into the picture, and from what I gather, you were a part of the the uh, trial and error of the Hawk costume?
3: Yes. Can
4: the you, Hawk? Yes. Can you tell us about because that? Because first we had meetings. You know, the band at Bill uh would, like, where, I don't remember where we were, but we were all in a big room, and we were talking about, yeah, it was after Peter got let go. Mm-hmm. And um uh, deciding they've already hired Eric and took a look at him, so and Eric was there as well, and we were talking about who his character should be, and they did not want to be another cat or anything in the cat family because that would be insulting to Peter, and he owns that character, and the fans wouldn't like it. Boy
2: times of so, <laughs> right so boy times have changed
4: times have changed (laughs) Yeah. so of course there's all you know he should be a donkey he should be an asshole he should be (laughs) you know he should be a meerkat and then they decided you know eagle raven a bird we should do this Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i sketched up some sketches and which looked kind of like stick figures with feathers coming out of their head i was good (laughs) with feathers not figures and uh So we sketched it out, and I had it built by the same costume house, and uh, Eric put it on. And when he showed it to the guys, they laughed at him. I bet they did. They really laughed. And so uh, there was another conversation, and we talked about Eric's features and what should be shown and how much makeup could he really handle. And so then we came upon a fox. Mm-hmm. I think that was Bill of who did the final and said, Fox.
2: Okay. And what, what was your that first fit? What that was, was good. Your, uh, your impression of Eric Carr when you met him?
4: Uh, the sweetest, most grateful, gladdest. He knew he was over the moon. He was a huge Kiss fan, and he was so happy. He was so happy. He, couldn't, he was so happy. He was a guy who had one or two pairs of jeans. And, you know, a T-shirt or two. Mm -hmm. So, And he knew that this was a gift dropped into his lap to play with Kiss. And he didn't care. You know, I don't have money. I don't care. Just give me, let me go. And uh, he was really a good uh, drummer. So some of the things changed in terms of the music because Eric brought a different energy. Um, I took him out one day because the, uh, you know, 70s were so late 70s, 80s were everybody's skinny, everybody's wearing milliskin mill pants, you know those stretch pants,
3: mm-hmm. tiny
4: t-shirts and the A7 belts that are really skinny and so I took Eric out and we shopped and I got him clothes you know, tight jeans and sexy boots and all this kind of stuff and he he just kept shaking his head and shaking his head and shaking his head and um, he was overwhelmed and grateful and uh, we went to lunch and he kind of burst into tears we're sitting, uh down in the village, and he's surrounded by shopping bags, and he just burst into tears. He was so happy. He was so happy. I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm so afraid. I'm so happy. I'm afraid. What if this? What if that? Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, and I, this and that. I said, it's okay, we got you. They like you. You sh- You deserve to be here, so let's just do it and have a good time. Wow. I'll take care of you.
3: What a You'll be guy. fine. yeah.
4: Yeah. So I did take care of him, and I taught him things, how to dress and his hair, and bought him all the expensive shampoos, because Paul had the best taste in shampoo and hairbrushes.
3: Oh, yeah? So, <laughs> no way. I'm not surprised. Oh, totally. not that guy.
4: <laughs> he, you know, if you got that hair, you might as well take care of it, sure. because every night you're teasing it, hairspraying yeah. it, teasing it some more, hairspraying it some more. You go out on stage, you just sweat. So you have to wash a, a helmet off your head every night. So, no kidding. Yeah, he had the best stuff and uh I got Eric all that and uh, it was great.
3: That's
2: awesome. And then, yes, Eric just it's cool to hear these things cuz like we've you know we've heard from other people how great of a I've never heard one negative never. thing ever said no, about you No, Yes. Just a super yes. great human being.
4: He was so he was a great human being. He was so grateful for this chance in life mm-hmm. um that he separated himself by always saying thank you, mm. by meeting the entire crew, yeah. by saying every time he'd come in, you know, hi Mike, hi Bruce, hi so, hi hey hey, how you doing? Hi, ba, 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 ba. Um, hey, Chuck was his uh, drummer, his roadie, drum roadie. I think it was still Chuck. Chuck a And Alliance, yeah. uh, he took great care of him, and he he was happy. So it just he just shared that happiness. Yeah. And if he got cranky, um, he handled it nicely, and he'd say I'm really tired, but <laughs> and you'd be
2: done. Yeah. So, so you were there for um, his first show at the Palladium in New York, right? Yes, I was. Uh, what? What? Did, there's no. There's very little video footage of of that night. What What do you remember about the? Them was that it Was him?
1: half Peter and then Eric came? Oh, no, that was a rumor. Oh, okay. Yeah, Peter was what? gone
2: by that point. Okay. But what do you? What do you remember from the Palladium gig?
4: I was impressed. The chair was there. I just love that was was more exciting it was small, it was dark Uh backstage was really small I watched Eric and he looked like a little fireball because I had seen, I knew what the boys were doing but there was something really special that happened there was a new energy Uh, Ace was happy there was connection, they looked at each other more and when it was time for his solo, they really showed him respect, and um, it was pretty great. It was pretty great, and the fans yelled and screamed, and it was pretty great. Yeah. And after he came off, he just couldn't sit down. He was, oh, oh my God, oh, my God, oh, my God,
3: oh my God, <laughs> oh, my God
4: oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And he just kind of went in circles, <laughs> what, do do? what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? He was just so full of adrenaline. He was beautiful. He was beautiful. I bet. Soaking wet hair smashed flat just sort of he was over the moon hugging everybody
5: yeah that's
4: so that's what what i
0: remember and now deep thoughts with paul stanley
5: i just want to tell this is just for some special people out there because most of you people are fucking incredible the motherfuckers who throw this stuff i will find you and shove this up your ass
6: Hi, I'm Gene Simmons, and I'm the owner of Simmons Lumberyard. Thirty years ago, while recovering from a long night at a Holiday Inn in Bumblefuck, Arkansas, I had an idea. While disposing of a sticky trash, I noted the poor quality of my coffee table. There was no strength to the piece. The table, that is. People shouldn't have to suffer from bad wood. In short, I wanted the best, and today, I'm giving it to you. At Simmons Lumberyard, we've got wood for you. All types including lodgepole pine, jack pine, redwood, buckeye, butternut, flooded gum, black butt, chestnut, sourwood, bald cypress, and others that also work well as double entendres. So come on down to Simmons Lumberyard where we've been putting logs in fireplaces since 1984.
1: you are listening to the decibel geek podcast and yes it is kissmas in july and we're going to get right back to our talk with pixie but before we do want to remind you you guys want to help us out the best way you can help us out as we mentioned before leave us some itunes reviews But what we really love a lot is when you go to Amazon, because Amazon loves us. Amazon loves the Decibel Geek Podcast. Everybody knows that, and that's why they help us out. So when you go to Amazon through our link at decibelgeek.com, it takes you to Amazon. You don't spend a penny more than what you normally would, but they give us a little kickback, whether you're buying music, spaceships, yachts, cars, cars, you know. I don't know. probably not. (laughs) All right, Chris wait. I'm Holmes. sorry. That
2: was Craigslist, not Amazon.
1: Wow. Yeah, I just thought we were reliving a moment here off a of Western <laughs> civilization or something.
2: <laughs> no, that's that's totally Craigslist. I'm gonna go get in the pool later and pour vodka all over myself.
1: They, it wouldn't be a recording without it.
2: Of course not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but one thing you got to know about Amazon is that, like I said, they love us, and we want to tell you about going there and getting your stuff because they do help us out. And while you're going to Amazon. We got the hot tip for you. If you've been paying attention the last few weeks, it's Kissmas in July, and you got to get your Kiss stuff. in a better, I can't think of a better place to go because this guy's got it all, and I'm talking about Daryl Elbers over at HK Collectibles, Inc. He's got a ton of great stuff for you this week, including tickets from the Asylum and Farewell Tours. You can't just go get that stuff anywhere. you got to go and see him at HK Collectibles, Inc. Lots of other great stuff for you on there, including, you know, just name it. He's got it. And if you can't even name it, he's got it. Just go to decibelgeek.com, click on the HK Collectibles Inc. link, and it'll take you right there to get you some cool stuff. Celebrate Christmas in July right along with us.
2: That's right. So we are Amazon affiliates, and part of that is you guys, Aaron said, you go and do your shopping. So we want to list off some of the stuff that was bought this week through our Amazon link. Uh, let's see. A th- the Thin Lizzy 1979 tour T-shirt was bought. Oh, somebody nice. bought. So, you've so we've been, we've you've had been a doing of some shopping through nah, the link. No, I lake, wish. Huh? I've been moving. I had no money extra for that. I hear that? S- someone bought a Canon Powershot camera through our link. Thank oh, you nice. very much see? for that. That's what I'm talking about. High dollar items. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that one's worth a decent amount, actually. All right, and uh, so for the, some of the music purchases that were bought this week, boy, somebody really went on a Saxon kick. Somebody bought Crusader, Wheels of Steel, Solid Ball of Rock, Strong Arm of the Law, and Denim and Leather. See, that's what I'm talking about. High metal purchases. That's right. Uh, somebody bought Car- Rush, Caress of Steel, and Fly by Night. Beautiful. Someone brought Like It Is, Yes, Live at the Mesa Arts Center. What is going on with this band? We the never S&P play Yes, podcast. and yet we sell something by them every week through our link. I don't get it. It's weird. Somebody's trying to tell us something.
1: I think we'd better listen to them. Maybe we really should.
2: Uh, also, Domino, Old Habits Die Hard. That's the new album hmm. by uh, Angel singer Frank Domino. It's his new oh, solo. Oh, okay. Well, that's
1: cool. That'd be interesting to we'll check look forward out. forward
2: to checking that one out. Royal Blood, the self-titled album. That's one of the newer bands is actually doing really well right now yeah toto 14 heavier side of toto episode aaron
1: Toto's had 14 albums yeah wow nice is that new yeah i think so cool i don't know okay i
2: know everything about toto i don't know i've heard some toto i like i guess (laughs) and rounding things out tora tora wild america and again just showing that
1: podcast do move cds absolutely you know so, somebody's um, got to move CDs nowadays I mean if not us at least who? we can do it <laughs> thank you and thank Amazon because right. without it we probably wouldn't be here.
2: and back to our talk with Pixie so that was in July and then so cool. late August uh, the tour starts and this was for the Unmasked album that came out um, The and I'm, you've told this story before too but I want to get it on our show August 29th, 1980, they play the Castel Sant'Angelo in Rome. Castel
4: Sant'Angelo. Yeah, we don't call that unmasked. They were still in full makeup.
2: Oh, no, no, but the album that was out at the time was
4: called
3: unmasked. Oh,
2: okay,
4: okay. Yeah, Castel Sant'Angelo is the summer palace for the Pope. Mm -hmm. So he would go from the Vatican because it was on the coast. And cooler. It also, there was a secret tunnel, there is still, A tunnel that goes from the Vatican to the Castle Sant'Angelo should be—the popes were attacked all the time, and, you know, people set them on fire and tried to kill the popes and so forth. Or should the
3: pope want to see Kiss?
1: (laughs) Or should the pope want to pop out and see Kiss real quick?
4: Oh, he did. Yeah, we did a private thing. He brought his own groupies. It was hot. Yeah. <laughs> he blessed the wine. You know, he gave out condoms with little crucifixes on them. You know, fabulous.
1: The, the Pope's got the best groupies. Everybody knows that.
4: He really does, but you know, he's a bitch. <laughs> he's all, my beer isn't cold enough. Hello. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
4: oh, so, oh, too far. Um, what happened was the one, and Chris's Lent's book probably. Says it more clearly, yeah. but the guys are on stage, yeah. and there's lots of security, and the security are those little Nazi guys with machine guns and glass shields or yeah. the plexiglass shields mm-hmm. to protect their body. Now they're already there, you know, by the time the stage is set up, and it was obviously different because it was against a rock, a great a rock formation, so um, they couldn't do some stuff, and. Uh, Whether it was the Red Brigade, Mm -hmm. a communist faction didn't like the faction that was promoting the band. Something about money and something, something, something. So they – and who was the opening act?
2: Oh, I couldn't tell you. Was it Loverboy? No.
4: That's a different story. So um, Mm -hmm. the guys go out. They start the show. They're screaming and – uh, it just starts, and maybe they get one into one song, and then a riot starts to erupt. People are pushing to the stage, trying to get up on the stage. The cops are fighting now; guns are drawn. More police, yeti, come from someplace else. And uh, George,
2: George, George Suet, shoot!
4: Hey, George Suet, 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 Su- Su- um, a martial arts fighting champion. Ah, let's go, guys! So the bodyguards, all the boys come up and grab the boys and rush them back uh, to the dressing room. And by dressing room, I mean a cave. I mean a tunnel with the lights were uh, a st- on the string. Every so often there'd be a light bulb or not. And in the bathroom was a hole in the floor that you hold on to the two sides. You hold on to a little handle and squat. And that was the toilet. <laughs> There were no mirrors at that time because Fellini was making a movie, so we had glued pieces of broken mirrors for them.
3: Wow. wow.
4: And the tra- it was kind of great. So I the been, guys kinda. <laughs> go running. I'm in the dressing room the getting ready, cleaning up or whatever it is, and the boys come running back in screaming, hey, get out, okay, get in, get in, get in, get in. We know that we're being charged. It's a, there's a riot. Be careful. Blah, 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 blah. They gave me a stick and pushed me out of the room. What? They gave me a stick and pushed me out of the room. A stick? A stick. Wow. Because why? I guess I was trying to go get the stuff off stage, whatever it was. You go. I'm like, no! Click, shut the door. Oh, wow. so, Yeah. So at that point, George Seward is outside. Then Rosie comes out and Big John and... Um, whoever, they were just sort of pushing people back, pushing the cops back, pushing everybody back. I, of course, was clinging to the doorknob let me in, let me in. Oh, my God. So, oh, wow.
3: Um,
4: here's what was really cool. When we did, it did finally stop and they could do the show, um, obviously, there's lots of spotlights from the front of the house. It was open air. It wasn't really a house. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lights when Jean did got a thunder and then started to fly and uh, just do his whole bit. The shadow on the wall, on the stone, on this ancient stone face, was Gene the Demon. It was so scary because, of course, the lights made him look taller Mm -hmm. and his hair was crazy. All the horns of the costume the shredded red cape on the back, the boots, and the blood. You could see the blood spurting, (laughs) the fire. It was like the devil was (laughs) climbing up the rock to get the Pope or to get the Catholic. It was a breathtaking sight. That's one of my favorite memories of here's a stick and then watching watching him uh, on the wall it was great
1: wow you describe it so good
6: that is amazing Uh, i
4: love it (laughs) it was it was great um yeah but that was the adventure of traveling with these guys and what we could do couldn't do and yeah what we saw and so forth so they
2: they, wow pixie this is awesome they tour through (laughs) through the, the fall in france and the uk and germany but then the big thing that happens is in November, and they go to Australia where they're basically met with a Beatles-like reaction. Yeah, and
4: it, yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I want to hear from you. What was that
4: like? Well, it was so great. When, where, where were we? In Queensland, and um, they call the people from Queensland banana been death. The hotel, but you had banana vendors. Mm-hmm. The hotel was kind of like a hojo's, maybe two stories, and uh, not too big. It was surrounded, surrounded by so many fans pushing on the building. They kind of made it move.
3: Wow!
4: Yes, yeah, it was shocking, exciting, thrilling. Um, they were on every TV show, and um, they we. I get okay. Now we're gonna go. We're gonna go Sydney, I guess. Mm-hmm. They had a press thing, and they were going to stand on the roof of the mayor's of the uh, city hall.
3: Right.
4: And oh, yeah. the mayor was going to welcome them to the city. And what it was, there's um, a, a, a patio roof because yeah, the mayor of was up on the or second floor, so he could walk a balcony. That's or, yeah. what it was.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So the band was going to come out. Went to go. We went somewhere. Like I think it was we at the hotel. The guys made up. And then there was an armored truck, and we got in the truck to go to the city hall because there were so many fans that there's no way they could get through.
3: Wow. They
4: rocked the truck; <clears throat> it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So the with the truck finally gets there, we go underneath. The guys go outside onto the balcony, and it was like an ocean of noise washed over you. It was like a sonic cheer. It was so much noise and love and screaming. It was one big sound, and you, it sort of like hit the guys, and you, it, it hit you. You could feel mm-hmm. the vibration of their excitement. Yeah. It, it was really breathtaking. It was great. To see, to feel, I've you know, was this thousands of people screaming it was great. And then the guys started talking, and they kept screaming and screaming and screaming. And it was they were lovely; they were so well welcomed. Mm. Um, yeah, that was a great night. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, well, the yeah. and the the guys in the band to this day still talk about what a magical period of time that was yeah. for them. You can tell that. I mean, I'm sure you saw it firsthand that they must have been just blown away by that response.
4: They were blown away. Yeah. Uh, and I got to tell you, the girls in Australia, mm-hmm. not a dog among them.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they were so really excited.
4: They And people were kind, and it was beautiful, and it was, you know, still before the cities were too big, and everything was sold out, so that made them happy, and they were given the promoter. What was his name? Weatherly? Big mm-hmm. promoter. Um Treated them like gold. Parties all the time. One night there was a party at the producer's house, and he had fireworks for them. So there's fireworks over the beautiful uh, opera house, Sydney Opera House, and boats and girls and food, and um, it was the kind of party that is uh, you see in movies.
3: Yeah, yeah. That good.
4: Yeah. That's yep, yep, incredible. Yep.
3: Mm.
4: And I went to the for the wines. I went to a vineyard. The man who owned the vineyard came to the venue where we were setting up. It took forever to set up. So I guess that was Perth. To go from Austria, uh, Sydney to Perth took us the to trucks about five days, <laughs> which gave us five days of heaven.
3: Yeah. Go to yeah.
4: beaches. Um, <laughs> What's that stupid game? Cricket. Yeah. Where you go on Monday and you leave on Friday. mm uh-huh. But, um, uh, cricket games and stuff, so this man came, and he said this i'm I own these wineries. Would you like to come with me to select the wines for the band?
3: Oh, yeah, wow.
4: um, nice. so this man took me he said, he was so excited, I'm going to give you these for free and uh i we had a delicious wine tasting. They fed me, it was his family, he was generous and kind, and then neighbors came over when they heard and What's it like? And who are you? And come to our house for dinner. They wow. you were know, gracious and kind, and I was bombed. So, but <laughs> it was a lovely. Just everywhere you went, it was mm. amazing.
2: Ah, so that's, that that. That sounds just to hear you tell that. It sounds to me like that. Well, the Australia was one of the high points of your time
4: working with those guys. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. Australia was. Uh, yeah, and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I saw some. I saw things in New Zealand. These uh... We all we all we rented a bus and we went uh, <laughs> to the Waimairai geysers. Mm-hmm. These are geysers that come from the center of the earth. These pools in this one protected area in New Zealand, and as it bubbles up, they're different colors depending on the minerals. Mm-hmm. So there was these exquisite fields of little volcano blurps of reds and yellows and purple and green and black and. Um, that there was a steam rising off, and because the minerals go into the air, the bugs that live in the area are just developed into monsters. I saw two uh, dragonflies mating, and it looked like upside down airplanes. It looked like, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, the trick airplanes that people used to stand on. They were huge, and the creature and it was so beautiful. The butterflies were bigger. Everything was brighter. And, there was no such thing as you lads have had too much to drink.
3: Right. No good time.
4: such thing. <laughs> Plus, we had the same crew, uh, we had an Australian crew who met us in uh, Sydney, mm. and uh, they joined us and traveled everywhere uh, in Australia and New Zealand because um, these guys had done rock and roll before, and we were going to little tiny towns, Adelaide, New Zealand, where mm. they still have dirt streets, and storefronts that look like old Western storefronts. So they're wooden, swinging door for the bar, um, little general store. So they carried uh, a crew of Aussies and some Kiwis. And uh, so they showed us and taught us everything. And uh, we we taught them how to cook bacon. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. In England, we had a Scottish chef. Have you ever put those two words together in your life? No. Sky it's like oh, Polish shit. and perfume. There is no such <laughs> face.
2: Hey, now, I'm Polish. I take offense to that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> your yeah. face What
4: kind of perfume you got? So, um, <laughs> I'm a comedian. Perfume, it's my job to be offensive. Yeah, yeah. Um,
3: <laughs> if Gene can take it, I could.
4: They would just warm it, and it was gross. So we taught them how to cook bacon and then made them by peanut butter and toast. That was our breakfast because no. it was disgusting. Whoa. And haggis, Really? Really? Guess who wore the haggis for the day? Uh, The chef. So, um, yeah, it was a great place. New Zealand, they were also as receptive. New Zealand was like a postcard. Parsonages that were covered in, you know, uh, thatch-covered rooms. And the sheep, the sheep looked like they were put there by a set dresser, posing perfectly on these luscious, swept lawns and white cliffs and dover looking it was a just so beautiful i loved it it sounds like another
2: planet almost yeah
4: it does does it and back then it kind of was because um it hadn't gotten to the rest of the world hadn't discovered it yet Mm -hmm. it was just after the opera house was built so things started getting bigger and bigger and bigger right Uh, yeah so um
2: well i gotta ask all right so this this officially is like around the end of the time you worked with the guys because then they go and they do an album called The Elder. They change their look dramatically. I sent you a picture of that. Your response was, oh, my God, those outfits are hideous. <laughs> um, yes. And then, this is, so how does the relationship end with the guys? Bye-bye. They
4: just Thank you. See you later. Bad. Take care. Be well. Yeah.
3: yeah. Bye-bye.
4: It was very, yeah, yeah. Just a drop. I think they should have had a party for us. That's how we did it on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah plus your stars tip you. I thought, <laughs> But um But, <laughs> uh, you know, I had a, uh, two drawers in my workbox with the leftover champagne that Ace never drank. So I would take it ostensibly to the next city just in case they didn't have the Kattinger's. Or the Dom Pérignon that he requested, and I would then ice it, and he'd have it. <laughs> Fortunately, wow. we didn't have to do that too much. So I found myself drinking vintage champagne. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's and my brother, course. I get my brother in on it, and so forth. Um, what was I want to tell you is, um, asking another question. Yeah, at the end of the tour it was just the end of the tour. Yeah, so,
2: and cool. um, so and like I had talked to you on Facebook a little bit about this, about this mystery that has permeated the Kiss fan base for years. Um, that you kind of got dragged back into the band's issues with uh, the opening of the Creatures of the Night tour in 1982. They were going to play, I think it was North Dakota, and
5: oh, something yes. with a
2: costume mix-up.
5: Yes, yes, yes.
4: They were... They were uh, I was off the tour. I was working at CBS News at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, they were in North Dakota, but the trucks with their costumes... And some of the set had not made it because there was a giant ass blizzard, as only the Dakotas can have. Mm-hmm. So I got a phone call. Pixie as when well, you're in New York, um, we need your help. Uh, we need you to go to the warehouse where we stored all the a lot of stuff. it was mm-hmm. the warehouse, and pull me out costumes for the guys. Uh, Rosie will meet you. We'll, you'll get a plane, and you'll, go, you'll come to North Dakota. Can you do that? Yes, I can. Tell CBS, like, run over to the thing. And now I'm just in whatever clothes I have for work that day because, you know, I'm going to work. CBS, I look nice. And uh, I went to the warehouse and I pulled together costumes. At the warehouse, all the costumes from any tour were there in different states of repair. (laughs) There were tons of boots, tons of gloves, tons of everything. And I put together whatever seemed to go together i got a couple of pictures of old tours and said okay this costume is this this goes great so i pulled together actually two sets in case they wanted to mix and match mm-hmm. so now big john's at the warehouse all right let's go we get in a limo we go to new York airport i don't know la guardia queen and uh, wherever and okay, we're going to go to the plane. I said, "What airline?" He said, "Follow me." Said, okay. Now, Big John walks fast. He's a big man. I'm little. I got short legs. <laughs> Trying to keep up with John, he reaches out, kind of grabs me, and pulls me along. And we go to a private runway where there is a Learjet waiting. Mm-hmm. We get on, and I said, "Oh my God, we're going on that!" Yes, we are. We get on the Learjet, and the captain says, "Good evening, Miss Esmond." What can we get you to drink
3: tonight? Wow. <laughs> oh, <yeah. Nice. laughs> so
4: Big John and I flew back together to North Dakota. And, uh, again, Big John grabs me by the scruff of the neck, throws me in a limo, and we have a police escort to the arena. <laughs> I get out of the car. Once again, Big John, who also in his left hand has bags and bags, mm-hmm. uh, big zippered uh, canvas bags, of costumes in one hand and me in the other. And i kind try of my little feet, don't rush. It's like a cartoon. <laughs>
3: you
4: know, running down the hall. Run in put the dressing room, say hi to the guys, lay the stuff out, get them dressed, and out they go. Yeah. And the show is not very late, maybe half an hour or so, maybe an hour.
2: Yeah, but the, the, the rumor is that, and we've talked about this on Facebook, so I think it's going to still remain a mystery because the – you had pulled items from the love gun costumes that the band wore with ace and peter and that eric carr and the new guitarist at the time Vinny vincent were basically wearing peter and ace's costumes but are you, do yes. you what do you yes. remember of this
4: yes there was nothing else A- eric didn't have any doubles mm-hmm. um you fans know so much better than i the look of what what costume design per tour.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: All I wanted to do was pull as close as I could costumes in good shape that they could wear immediately. Right. You know, that wow. no holes that weren't broken because some of the early pieces the chest plates were made of a hard plastic and they'd snap and break mm. and so I did not think in terms of oh this is Destroyer Tour <laughs> or this is that. <laughs> right. It was just this is what's in
3: good w- shape. This is good. Shape, it's,
4: good it's work, it's in good shape so yeah and uh, Eric did have to wear Peter's costume, and Vinny did have to wear Aces.
2: Oh, so we wow. can put that to rest now.
4: Yeah, because nice. he had nothing. They uh, all their clothes were in the truck. It stuck in a snowstorm, but, but so they be... only had what I pulled from the warehouse.
2: Yeah, to, but to be clear, it's pieces of costumes from probably different tours. It's not like a complete costume from a particular tour.
4: I. The, uh correct okay because i'm gonna get real about match this later. the look but i just it was whatever was going to go together and look good so right. that's why i yanked two sets to and see the, what was going to fit
2: god if only someone
1: had eric taken, was tiny
4: yeah we need smaller some photos the
2: yeah
1: can you imagine being in the crowd that night and be like what is going, going
2: on here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wild. yeah and didn't you yeah. um i think i read that you were working were you working at night watch at the time
4: Yeah, CBS News
2: Nightwatch. So were you there when Paul and Jean came in to interview with that guy? Um, They came in in that year in 82 to interview with one of their reporters, whoever hosted it, and the guy was very, uh, let's just say he was aggressive in his questioning to Paul and Jean. He did not like them at all.
4: I'm gonna say no. I don't remember. Oh, okay. I was going to say I don't remember. I'll send you the, uh, years
3: ago. I'll yeah, send, do. I'll send you the clip
2: because it's on YouTube and it's like you can tell the guy does not. Oh,
4: know. wait a second. Yes, I was. Um, was it Chris Glenn who interviewed them? I couldn't. Or Harold? G- oh my God! Yes.
2: He was a very was, square white guy. He was. He did. He came off like somebody. Like a. He came off like a, a, a somebody's dad. I mean, he did not. He was not. He
5: did a, not
4: want to do the interview. Huh? He didn't want to do the interview. Yeah. He did not come
2: off like he was happy to be interviewing Gene yeah. Paul.
4: I'm a newsman. This is serious news. And yeah. rah, 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 these guys. And so that attitude conveyed. And Gene and Paul. I forget what it was that they were going to talk about, but they could obviously tell that this guy was a dick. And so they just played hardball.
2: Yeah, well the the, the, the moment of in the interview where uh the guy didn't seem happy to begin with, but the moment that kinda sends him over the edge is he uh he's talking about like the suggestive lyrics that Kiss has and he says
3: <laughs> yes. and, and he says
2: like he asked Gene, he goes, Well, what are you trying to tell my fifteen year old daughter? And Gene says, Well, if she was a couple of years older, I'd tell her to come to my hotel room. Yes. And it you can tell yes. that the look on the guy's face is priceless.
3: Yes, that. yes,
4: yes, yes, yes. So yes.
2: you were in the the building when that, that took
4: place? Yes, I was. <laughs> I remember it. I was on set in the background because when I heard about it, they were coming. I, of course, told every, everybody in the newsroom already knew because I had huh. flown to Dakota, North Dakota, and come back, and that was a great story, so... Um,
2: That's interesting. Well, and also, and another thing, uh, before we let you go, before one thing that he brings up in the interview, and I'm sure you witnessed this when you were working for them, was the whole satanic angle that people were trying to pull on Kiss, saying that they were that they were Satan worshippers, and Gene was (laughs) spewing up goat's blood or something. What do you remember about all that stuff?
4: my favorite memory of that of every poster is in different cities because now remember I'd go into work at 8 in the morning on a bus I'd wake up in a building get out and do my job get back on the bus go to sleep Mm -hmm. uh, uh, cocktail and then go to the next city so I could not see out front often it was very rare that I would come through when the crowd was there so one thing I do remember but I do there were signs and stuff like that and because um, some of the stagehands and truck drivers would take them and put them on their trucks and stuff and mock them. Yeah. Uh, we were in the South once again. Steve Gansky, the fire marshal, was there to talk at every city to talk about the explosions and stuff. And with the fire marshal came a cartoon sheriff. Sure. He was big, he was fat, he had big old gut, and he kind of put his thumbs in his belt, you know, and so his stomach came into the room before he did. So he just, he's walking around and what are all this is What is this? What is that? And so Steve was explaining to the fire marshal about the uh, fireworks, you know, the explosions and stuff, and the sheriff says, what about that blood? Mm-hmm. And I said, and he said, I said, well, we do that. I make it. What about that blood? No, you can't tell me, Little Missy. I know you kill puppy dogs and drink their blood. I know you Satan worshipers. I know who you are. Look at you. It's the sign of the devil. It was hysterical. The guy was serious. He was he was such a cartoon. It was beautiful. And he would not you got virgins. You hurt the virgins. You upset God with your filth. With your filth and I wanna see this blood of the virgins. I said, Okay, come on. Go back to the dressing room and I showed him how he made the blood.
3: Oh wow Oh Jesus. <laughs> you really
4: What it. an idiot yeah
1: and then you told yeah. me santa claus wasn't real
2: <laughs> yes. wait a minute santa claus isn't real <laughs> sorry chris oh damn Yes. Oh. pixie you've so. been
1: amazing you are such a picture painter with the way you tell your stories i love this this has been great
2: good thank you very much i'm so glad we I could love do it i've been, been uh wanting to get you on for a couple of years now and i'm glad we could finally get it, our schedules to align to do this and uh I know our uh, listeners and Kiss fans are going to love having oh, you on love for, uh, for this KISS. May I, I say one thing? Sure, yeah, absolutely.
4: What I really loved about the band was their love of their audience. Mm-hmm. How hard they worked every single night to do the best show. They never called it in. Uh, the moments when Ace was maybe too drunk one night, or Peter was—you know—we had to gaffer tape him. To his feet, so he wouldn't fall off. But they cared about their audience. They had guys out in front of the theater. Uh, well, let's say beating up scalpers. Yeah. Because they wanted, they didn't want their fans to pay too much, so they could come inside and spend it on the merchandise. Okay. But they just, they were like athletes every single night, over and over and over and over um paul stanley worked i never he, he, amazing so i really respected these men for the love of their fans and they mean it every time they say it our fans are fans they mean it they do care because they know without the fans they wouldn't be there
1: absolutely. So. absolutely and you know that goes to show why kiss has the most loyal and dedicated fans out of any band out
2: there absolutely so i it agree goes both yes, ways. yes. Yes. Well, this has been a uh, little slice of heaven, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share these memories with us. You've been awesome, Pixie.
4: Thanks so much. Thank you very much for asking me. I enjoyed talking to you, too. And to the world. Yes. (laughs) So cool. I work on Broadway. And when people introduce me to a new person, Mm -hmm. this is Pixie. She worked with Kiss. Oh, oh. Is it Ketchell one more?
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
4: Okay, just very quickly. So the first, the American half of the tour, I do that. And um, it's, you don't date on the I mean, I couldn't date. I didn't need to, to hook up with somebody until later. So in every city, there were 80 stage hands. I traveled on a bus with all men. I was around men all the time. I am very comfortable with it, no problem. But I got a little tough, got a little, you know, Girls and saying shit and blah blah blah. So and I was I got my hair. I looked a little butch towards the end. Chopped all my hair off wearing (laughs) overalls. I got a job working on Broadway at a show called Sugar Babies. Mm -hmm. Sugar Babies was an old Vaudeville type show with Andy Rooney and Ann Miller, and the girls in the show were topless, and they do they'd have you know giant peigné skirts and they'd turn around their bottoms were exposed. Or the the, the uh, doves carrying a drape to cover the nude woman standing all naked. So my job was to dress these, course, ensemble girls. And I go into the dressing room and it is there's baby powder, there's perfume, there's lipstick. It smells fabulous. These girls are beyond beautiful. And the first words out of my mouth were, "Dear, nice tits." <laughs> So, for the rest of the week, I had to sit in the hallway. Oh. And I finally got to know the girls. I told them the story. And uh, actually, then we did the photo shoot in New York so, where we got on fire. And we needed girls. We needed those hands to go around Paul on those stills. So I yeah. brought in sugar babies to do that. No and
3: oh,
4: one nice. or two of the girls dated them and so forth. So that's there interesting. You go.
3: Yeah. But,
5: oh. Nice tits. <laughs>
2: That Peter Chris yeah. rubbed off on you.
5: Yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> really did. Oh man.
4: So thank you very much. Oh, this thank is
2: great. You. I'm glad we got to, we got to do this and I yeah, know uh, people are going to have a ball listening to Oh, they're going to gonna love it. Ah!